Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Life is Complicated, We Can Help. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Hello, New Point. I want to welcome each and every one of you, those at our locations and our physical campuses, as well as those of you who are joining online. Now, here's what I want you to understand. God's going to speak to you today. I believe that with all my heart. He's going to speak to you today because we're wrapping up this series called Fruitful, and I trust that you've been able to listen to the messages. And if you haven't, I encourage you to go to newpoint.org slash messages and make sure that, that you listen through them because they will speak to you. They will help you to grow and to be able to understand what Jesus is calling you to because basically what they are is their characteristics of a Christ follower. You see, when you and I name the name of Christ, he wants you and I to develop certain characteristics in our life that represents him, that reveals who he is, because we are representatives of Jesus himself. And he promises to give us his spirit to help those be developed in your life and in my life. And so we're going to wrap up today's series called Fruitful with self-control, the fruit of self-control. Now, it has been said that the hardest person to lead is yourself. I know that's the case for me. I mean, as I look over the last 35 years, the, the toughest, the most difficult person to lead has been myself. And so we need this fruit called self-control. You see, one of the greatest causes of hypocrisy in the Christian church today is Christ followers who ignore and do not allow this fruit to be manifested in their life. And so we are not able to live out the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness because we don't have self-control. And a lack of self-control will always get us in trouble because the other fruits will not be able to be produced in your life. And so you and I are called to walk in the spirit and not carry out our selfish desires, our selfish wants. Paul describes that as your flesh and my flesh being out of control, the works of the flesh. You see, as a Christ follower, we're either controlled by the spirit of God or we're controlled by the spirit of our flesh. And if we're controlled by the spirit of our flesh, then those human natural tendencies will come out. Uncontrollable anger and resentment and selfishness and self-centered. So the question today is this, who is in control of your life? Is it the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, or is it you? There's only one or two answers. Either it's God or it's you. And so what I want you to understand is this is absolutely necessary in your life and in my life. And you and I will never experience self-control until you and I are willing to yield. Another word might be surrender to the Spirit of God. You see, the spirit of self-control is not of the mind, emotions, and senses being brought under 
your will or my will. No, it's your mind, it's your emotions, it's all of those things being brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he gives you his spirit that dwells in you and me. And then that spirit begins to produce fruit in your life. Today, it needs to be self-control. You see, no wonder Paul listed it as a fruit of the spirit because what happens is this. Without self-control, you and I are vulnerable. We will live a life of self-centeredness. We will live, as Paul said, according to our flesh, according to if it feels good. And it'll destroy your relationships. It'll bring everything to a place of destruction. And you don't want that, and I don't want that. Now, even when I mentioned the word self-control, I, I know that it conjures up certain things in you and me because that's challenging, isn't it? I mean, the hardest person to lead is myself. Why? Because self-control is difficult. And that's why we need Christ's control. That's why we need to yield and surrender to the Spirit of God. You see, Proverbs says it like this. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Wow. What is he saying here? He's giving the picture that if you live in a city and you do not have walls, and he's talking about in the biblical days, that you were vulnerable to all kinds of attacks. And so it is in your life and in my life. If the fruit of the spirit of self-control is not being manifested in your life and in my life, then I have no defense against being impatient or being unkind or being angry or all of those other emotions that can be left unchecked, that'll end up ruining and destroying my relationships with my spouse, with my kids, with my mom, with my dad, with my friends. And so what happens is this, when you and I allow God's spirit to produce self-control in us, it brings protection. It brings protection. And so let me ask you today, where are you needing protection? Where are you needing to exercise self-control. Where are you struggling? Let me just ask you some questions here. The first one is this. Does my speech need self-control? Do you find yourself saying things that you shouldn't? You see, Proverbs tells us that death and life are in the tongue. Death and life are in the tongue, and so I need to control my speech. Or maybe this right here. Does my appetite need self-control? You see, we all have different appetites. And the fact of the matter is, when you feed an appetite, it's never satisfied. All it does is grow larger and larger and larger and larger. Or maybe this right here, does my spending need self-control? You know, one of the main reasons why people get divorced is because of a lack of management in the area of finances. Or maybe this right here, does my emotions need self-control? Am I moody? Do people walk on eggshells around me because they don't know what I'm going to do? Or maybe this right here, do my thoughts need self-control? You know, maybe what goes through my mind and what I dwell on and what I think about is not good and it leads me down a destructive path. And so the way to self-control is to surrender to the Spirit. It's the key. Listen to me. It's the key 
between resisting temptation and giving into temptation. It's the key to having a vibrant witness for Jesus or one that harms Jesus. You see, people with self-control master their moods. They don't allow their moods to control them. You see, most of what gets done in the world today is basically because people do what they don't feel like doing, because they're mature, because they're under self-control. They don't allow their moods to control them. You see, people with self-control watch their words. They put their mind into gear before they put their mouth into gear, if you will. People with self-control, they hit the pause button before they respond. People with self-control, they, they, they control their time and their schedule because they know that it's precious. People with self-control, guess what? They manage their money. They manage their finances. You see, here's what I believe in the area of finances. You and I cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ. You and I cannot realize and reach our full potential in Jesus unless we manage our finances well. And so it's so important. People with self-control maintain their health so that they can accomplish what God is asking them to accomplish. And so it's really impossible for you and I to realize and reach our full potential in Jesus Christ without you and I being diligent in this area of allowing God's spirit to develop self-control in us. And so what is self-control? Well, it's inner strength. It's, it's that strength of character that enables you and I to control our passions and our desires. Are our passions and desires wrong? Not necessarily, but it's like a fire. A fire in a fireplace is good, but outside the fireplace, it can burn your house down. It's like water. Water can quench your thirst, but you can also drown in it. And so we need self-control. We need this inner strength, this character quality that allows us to control our passions and our desires. It's also soundness of mind or sound judgment. And that means that, that you're sober, that you're sensible, that, that it allows you to control your desires and your appetites, your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. And this sound judgment, all right, enables you to determine what you should do and how you should do it. So self-control is inner strength. And that provides the will to do it. Soundness of judgment gives you the ability to know what to do. And too often, we know very well what to do, but we don't do it anyways. We allow our feelings, we allow our passions, we allow our moods to get in the way. And so that's why self-control is so important. You see, a lack of self-control will lead us down a path of destruction and heartache and regret, and we don't want that. And so let me share with you three areas that I believe we need to exercise self-control and to be able to honor God. The first one is with your body, with your body. You know, God's given you and I a body and we need to honor him. We need to, we need to bring our body under control. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There's many things that God has given you and I for enjoyment. Matter of fact, Paul says it like this when he talks to Timothy. God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so, you know, whatever your view of God is, 
If it's that he doesn't want you to enjoy life and he doesn't want you to enjoy things, it's wrong. He wants you to enjoy all of life. He just doesn't want it to control you. You see, what has happened is this. All of our passions, all of our desires have been corrupted through sin. And what that can lead you and I to is to be able to be addicted to certain things because they're out of control. And now they're controlling us. And so instead of enjoying them, now guess what? We're in bondage to them. You see, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Wow. And so you honor God with your body. You bring it under control. And there's three areas that I want to mention. First of all is gluttony. And that has to do with food and drink. Do you know obesity is on the rise? And what happens is we can take food, which is there for our enjoyment, but we can get out of control. And what happens is we've heard of what? Comfort food, you've heard of that, right? And so what happens is we can run to food for comfort when God ultimately wants us to run to him for comfort. And then drink, alcohol. Alcoholism is on the rise. And what happens is, you know, we can use alcohol to take the edge off of life. But God says, that's why I'm here. I want to give you the fruit of peace that surpasses all understanding. And so gluttony would be one. Laziness would be another. And, And you say, Dwight, what is laziness? Laziness is not taking a nap, okay? So get that out of your mind, all right? Laziness is when you and I see something that needs to be done and we refuse to do it. That's laziness. And so what happens is we need to honor our body by doing the work necessary. And so what happens is we can't just be lazy and just refuse to do the things that are necessary for us to have a good marriage, for us to have a good family, for us to provide for one another. And then sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. You see, what happens is this. Sexual control belongs both to the mind and the body. And God's standard for for sex is absolute absence outside of marriage, okay? That, that, That you and I need to honor God with abstinence outside of marriage. Look what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. He says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means set apart. That means be different that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. You see, what, what happens is many times we, we, we become sexually active outside of marriage because we're trying to meet a God need. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And what happens is really it breaks down the trust factor because what you're proving to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, is that you can't control your passions. You can't control your desires. And so when you do get married, guess what? It undermines their trust in you because like my sister said when I got married, hey, Dwight, guess what? All the girls are not going to get ugly when you get married. And so one of the greatest gifts that you can give A person that you're dating is just saying, hey, you know what? We're going to honor God with our body so that what happens is we can have this trust so that when we do get married, we can enjoy it to the fullest because God's given us all things for our enjoyment. 
Here's the second area, and that is to honor God with our mind, with our mind. You see, in order to be able to have self-control in your life and in my life, in order for you and I to be able to act in the way that, that God wants us to be able to act so that we can reap the benefits and the blessings of life, we need to be able to control our mind, control our thoughts, because here's what I know. You and I cannot act inconsistently with how we think. You see, your mind and my mind is the control tower of how we live. Whatever happens in your life, whatever happens in my life, listen to me, it starts right here. Every action, every attitude of life first begins as a thought in your mind and my mind. And what we think not only directs our life, but it determines who we are and who we become. You see, our thoughts affects our, our, our perception of God, of ourselves, and others. They determine the direction of our life, the quality of our relationships, even our accomplishments and failures all begin right here between our ears. And so if you are going to be guided by the Spirit of God, then what happens is you're going to live out the fruit of self-control. And that is you're not only going to honor God with your body, but with your mind. Now, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. I understand that. But you can stop them from building a nest in your mind, in your head. You see, Paul says it like this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, every, listen to me. Everything that gets your attention doesn't deserve your attention. Don't focus on the things that, that don't deserve your attention. Don't give the enemy access to your mind. Don't allow him to, to, to tell you lies and you believe them. Don't allow him to bring accusations against other people. Don't give your attention to everything that's begging for your attention. You see, you can focus on the negative or you can focus on the positive. You get to choose. You can focus on yourself and circumstances or you can focus on the goodness and the greatness and the generosity of God. And so the bottom line is this, pay attention to that which you need to pay attention to because where the mind goes, you will go. And the quality of your inner response, where your, your focus is, your heart and your mind will determine the quality of your outward response, what you do and how well you do it. And so the best guide for evaluating the control of your thoughts is found in Philippians. Paul writes this. He says, keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is what? Authentic and real. It deals with the lies. Honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. Listen to me. What you focus on will determine what you talk to yourself about. And nobody talks more to you than you. And so what you focus on will determine what you talk to yourself about. What you talk to yourself about will determine how you feel. And how you feel will determine how you behave. And so honor God with your body, your mind, and then finally, with your soul with your soul. And what I mean by that is take charge of your emotions. Take charge of your emotions. Don't deny your emotions. Just take charge of your emotions. And what are your emotions? Feelings. Listen, we serve a God who is a God of emotions. We're created in his image. So emotions are neutral. They're neither good nor bad. It's what you do with them. 
No doubt if you're like me, you've gotten caught up in the emotion of the moment, right? And when Dwight has gotten caught up sometimes in, in, in that emotion, it hasn't led me to make the wise decisions because I've lost control and I acted out of my emotions instead of out of what was right or what was true. And so the key for me, as well as for you, is to be aware of your emotional response. What's really behind that? Dwight, why, why do you feel so angry? Why do you feel so hurt? Ask those questions, and that's taking control of your emotions. You see, Proverbs says it like this, a fool expresses all of his emotions, but a wise person, what? Controls them. Now, now remember, self-control means what? Inner strength and sound judgment. And so what that allows you to do, what that allows me to do is to hit the pause button and to get my mind right and to ask, why are you feeling this? Why are you disappointed? Why are you confused? Why are you hurt? Why are you furious? What happened that has made me feel this way? Did they brush me off? Did they ignore me? What happened that that has caused my emotions to respond like this? Then ask, you know, does this situation deserve a different response? Does it deserve a different explanation to, to make sense of it? You know, maybe they were tired. Maybe they were distracted. See, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been driving down the road and you wave to somebody and they don't wave to you and you think, I knew they were mad at me. I knew they were angry with me. Maybe, maybe the explanation is, is the sun was in their eyes. Maybe they didn't see you. And so you have to ask questions. Maybe, you know, what do I do about these feelings that I feel? Should I confront them? Should I just go on a, a, a rampage? Should I scream? Should I vent? Should I flip out? No, what I should do is bring them under control. I should honor God with my soul, with my thoughts, with my emotions. I should control them, not deny them. Accept your emotions, all of them, because they're messengers. They're important. They can give you important information. Just don't allow them to control you. I like to say it like this, okay? Feelings are great. Emotions are great. But not to drive your car. They should be in the back seat. And so one of the ways in which you and I can honor God with our soul, our emotions, our feelings, is to be able to recognize when specific circumstances or situations come up. Because you know what I have found out? I know many times that if I go into this situation, that you know what? My emotions are going to begin to surface. And so what I need to do is I need to identify specific things, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe in my relationship with my spouse, maybe with a coach, a teacher, and I know, hey, you know what? When I have this talk, when I, when, when I run into this person, you know, these emotions are going to surface. And so you identify specific trigger points and you put your mind in gear and you take control. I love what Proverbs says, 27, 12, the prudent sees danger and takes refuge. You see, spiritual prudence requires us to know ourselves and to know our particular weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. Because here's what I believe. That which is predictable 
is preventable. And so if I know that I'm going to be emotional, if I know that this is going to be hard, then what happens is I can begin to hit the pause button, get my mind right, and begin to think right. Because uncontrolled emotions will damage your relationships. They will not be helpful. They will be harmful and hurtful. Proverbs says it like this, patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Wow. If we're going to live an effective, productive life, guess what? We need self-control. What is self-control? It's that inner strength, the will to do it, and sound judgment to know what to do. Now, here's what you need to know. All of us struggle in different areas. Some of us might struggle with honoring God with our body. Some of us might struggle with honoring God with our mind. Some of us might struggle with honoring God with our soul. And so this is not a judgment thing. We're all in need of it. And so don't allow spiritual pride to rise up and you begin to compare yourself to other people. Don't do that because you can be tempted to judge other people. Now, here's what I know. God, through the power of his spirit, wants to produce the fruit of the spirit in your life. Love, patience, kindness, joy, faithfulness, goodness, all of that, and self-control. And guess what? In your life as well as my life, I'm either going to walk by the spirit or I'm going to walk by the flesh. That means if it feels good, if it looks good, if it sounds good, I'm going to do it. And you say, Dwight, how can I ensure that the Spirit of God will produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Well, you have to decide on who you're going to feed. I remember hearing a story, and I'll close with this, of a group of, of older men, seniors, and they would go to the, the county fairgrounds every Saturday, and they would raise two dogs. And one was a black dog and one was a white dog. And as they watched and as they listened and as they, they observed, they realized, hey, you know what? We've been doing this for about eight or 10 weeks. And John has never lost a bet. He's always bet on the right dog. And so they, they, they wanted to find out, is he wise? Is he cheating? What's going on here? And so after one of the races on a Saturday, they, they all circled John up and they said, hey, John, listen, we love you. We're thankful for you. We're glad that you're willing to take care of the dogs and bring them so that we can have this race. But you haven't lost one bet. You always bet on the right dog. How do you know which dog to bet on? He looked at them and he said, well, fellas, let me tell you the dog that I always bet on. I always bet on the dog I fed all week long. So what's going to win in your life? Is it going to be your spirit that produces fruit? Or is it going to be your flesh that produces frustration and failure? It's going to depend on which one you feed every single day. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you for your love for us and that you want us to enjoy all things, but you don't want those things to control us. You don't want us to, to, to surrender to them and become 
uh, addicted to them. You want us to enjoy them. And so you've given us the fruit of self-control. And so I pray for myself and I pray for each of us here today that we would feed the Spirit of God in us, knowing that you will produce the fruit of Spirit in us so that we can live effective and productive lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through the App Store or Google Play, or catch us on Roku or Apple TV. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.